Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Praise God. All right. You're, you're ready to get into uh, a communion message. You're ready for us to prepare our hearts to take communion together? Are you, a couple of people are ready. One, two, three. Uh, are you ready? Will you join me this morning as we prepare our hearts? Amen. Listen, we don't ever want the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever you used to calling it, the Eucharist, we don't ever want that to become just a frivolous thing that we just tap on at the end of the service or throw it in someplace. Uh, I believe it's too important for that. There's the one thing that Jesus asked us to do before he left this earth. He said, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. That's not much to ask. So I think, you know, we should be doing this with, with some um, sense of respect and reverence and honor. Now, if you grew up in the type of church that I grew up in, it, you know, when it was community time, it was like, oh, man, great. We've only got a few minutes and we're out of here. You know, because it just is always constantly, you know. And, and please, I'm not, making, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm not, I'm not. I'm just speaking very objectively. We got so used to the bells and we got so used to this other stuff. It, it really didn't carry the reverence that it should carry. And maybe that was my fault. Maybe that wasn't the fault of the priests or anybody else in leadership there. But some of you know what I'm talking about. We just, we, we were never explained what was taking place through communion. We just did it as a ritual. Amen? But, oh, man, I'll never forget coming in. And, and you know, I was raised a devout Catholic, went to, went to Catholic school the whole bit. I was the one in the family that, you know, the devout one, you know, knew all the rules and regulations. But when I came into this brand of Christianity, when I came into what I like to call biblical Christianity, the first time communion was ever taught, I was like, oh, my God, I didn't see this before. I didn't see any of this before. I didn't realize how important it is. I didn't realize the power that is released when we come together and, and take communion. And, and not even so much to come together. And I don't know if you, you do this. Some, some people might be like, still too like, no, I, I don't want to do that. But I'll never forget the first time I actually took communion on my own and actually held that little piece of bread and held the cup. I'm like, man, this is awesome. I didn't get struck by lightning and the ground didn't swallow me. And you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, we were taught that only a specific person could go in and grab that, and they had to use special fingers. And if they didn't use those fingers, everything was defiled. And to know, and especially once I heard the teaching, I may refer to this. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'll get this far. The very first time I heard the teaching about the veil being torn in the temple, when Jesus died and said it is finished and this earthquake hit, and the, and the Bible tells us that this curtain, as some Bible commentators say, was anywhere from, from a foot to 18 inches thick, woven, split on its own from top to bottom as if God's saying, that's it. I'm not staying in a box anymore. I am free now to go amongst my people. Are you listening? Man, the first time I heard that teaching, was like, wow, this is amazing. And so for me, communion means so much, maybe because of having that, that background. And I hope it means that much to you. But bottom line, I said everything I just said to make this point. It should never be treated lightly. It should never be treated like a snack. We should always understand what the bread represents and what the blood represents and how grateful we are that because Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself. No, he was not murdered. No, he was not martyred. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. 
And the only way to destroy the works of the evil one is that a spotless, blameless, sinless one had to go to the cross and shed his blood so that the Father in heaven would receive that blood as payment for your sins and for my sins. And that's what broke the powers of darkness off of our life. That's what broke open the graves and the tombs. And death no longer has that sting because of what Jesus did at the cross. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful. So I remember telling this story a number of years ago, and I just felt like I wanted to share it again this weekend. I was watching a video online, and it was a video about a Jewish attorney, a woman, who in her early adult years felt drawn to study about Jesus because in her own words, this is what she said, I felt like if people are still talking about a man who lived 2,000 years ago, then he is probably somebody I should get to know about. Wow, how practical. How practical. And so after a series of God-orchestrated events in this this young woman's life, she found herself in a church being pastored by a husband and wife who were Jewish believers in Jesus, in Yeshua. And so she found the answer to the question, why is Jesus so important? What, What is up with this man who some people are lovingly obsessed over while others hate? with all that they are. Do you ever notice, you ever, I don't know if you notice this, do you ever notice you can use the term God and it doesn't upset too many people? But as soon as you mention Jesus, it's like it hits a nerve. It's like shock waves go through. You got to wonder what that, what, what, why that is. Why is he such a polarizing figure? Why didn't he just fade away into history like so many others and so why didn't this Christianity just fade away like so many other movements and fads throughout the centuries? Further, on a more personal level, why are we so drawn to someone who we've never met face to face? Do you ever think about that? It's just this natural attraction to want to know him, to want to find out more about him to want to hear his voice. As he said, my, my, she- my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they're not going to follow. I look for that. I don't know about you, but I look for that. I know many of you do. Many of you do. You want to hear his voice. You want to, you want to know that you're walking on the path that he has for you. You want to know that you're not off on some tangent someplace that may shipwreck your life. Every one of us has that in us. I want to take you to John chapter 1, Gospel of John. Because I think we're going to find some answers here. In the beginning was the Word, and the the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And it begins by telling me that he was with God in the beginning. So when the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, decided to create this universe, to create matter itself, God already had a burning desire in his heart to have a relationship with us. Because you see, God is love. I don't know that we understand that fully. I don't know that we can. But I think we need to lift our eyes up a little bit more and try to grasp that. Maybe this will help. We can can easily understand that God loves because in a real way, we love too, to some extent. Of course, it's usually selfish. It's usually the love that we like to release is usually the love that kind of benefits us more than it does the other person. But, but do we understand that God is love? He is love. Amen. If you took God out of the equation, there is no love. Amen. There, there's no, no not, not one aspect, not one little fraction of a percent exists 
He is love. Now, you got to understand something else, which is the key to understanding why he would want to create this race of individuals, this, this, this species here, who he knew was going to turn on him. And the reason is because, you see, love cannot be love unless it has something to love and someone to love and, and be able to manifest with benefit towards someone else. Love can only manifest when it's beneficial to another individual beside itself. You listening to me? So, so God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, the Trinity, in order to exist as love and be love, have to have somebody to Now, now, uh, realize the magnitude of that love, knowing that you're going to create an individual, you're going to give him a place to occupy that's a place of perfection. You're going to provide everything he's ever going to need, including the companion, and he's still going to turn on you. If that's not love, I don't know what it is. Because you see, me, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't do it. I'm going to create somebody. I'm going to provide everything they need. I'm going to put myself out on the, on, on the line. I'm going to put myself out on a limb. And, I'm, and I know in advance you're going to turn on me. Guess what? I'm not doing it. You're done. Because <laughs> I'm going to, uh, my, 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 my goal is going to be to avoid that aggravation. Come on, don't look at me like I'm the only one. You know darn well you'd be doing the same thing. So, maybe this explains why we're so drawn to our creator. Because he made me and made you, made us in such a way where we're not content without having a knowing on the inside that it doesn't end when we take our last breath. That this relationship that we're in now with him is literally going to extend into eternity. And the truth of the matter is that the person who's born again you stepped in. You don't step into eternity when you take your last breath. You step into eternal things when you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Your spirit went from being dead to being alive unto God, connected to the Father in heaven through the Holy Spirit, and that came at the cost of Jesus Christ and his blood. Man. It also tells me, the reason I'm drawn to him, the reason you're drawn to him, the reason why every human being is drawn to this, this I hate to use this term, this higher power, this, 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 the man upstairs. Oh, man, that bothers me. <laughs> Especially when you live in the first floor of an apartment building. <laughs> who, who are you talking about? <laughs> Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. John chapter 1, verse 3. He always has been. We have not always been. He has a beginning. He, excuse me, he has no beginning or no end. We do. And our life on earth, when you really want to think about it, our life on earth is nothing more than that dash on a tombstone between two sets of numbers. But listen to me, church, please. Hear my heart. That dash needs to mean something. That time span between birth and death should mean something. It should be the, the memorialization or the memorializing of a time period that you existed and that when you're gone and when I'm gone, that there's people that left behind here 
whose lives have been impacted because of that dash between those two numbers. You know what I'm talking about? So we should be living our life in such a way that everything we do, all the purpose that we walk in, the very plan for our lives itself should be to have an effect on somebody else's life, maybe on a group of individuals. We know throughout Christian history, there's been individuals that one person, one woman, one man made an impact on entire nations. Amen. You, you listening to me? Yes. And so, so, so forgive me if I, if I keep harping on this thing, but I want to save us from what ends up happening to most Christian groups, especially in our culture in our society now. Jesus told the disciples, lift up your eyes for the harvest is white. Lift up your eyes, they're ready to be gathered in. And church, please, don't make that dash only mean that your life was good and that you had everything you wanted and that you lived your dream. You went on your super vacation, you fulfilled your bucket list. Please, lift up your eyes and make your life mean much more than that. Lift up your eyes, lift up your heart, lift up your goals, and make sure that they include impacting somebody else's life, Amen. bringing the truth to someone who is in darkness, bringing relief and bringing, bringing compassion and bringing grace and bringing love to somebody who's just beat down. And God knows there's so many around us here. There are people that are driving by this location right now that are hopeless. They probably stayed up last night crying. But they got up this morning, they put their little fake smile on and they're just continuing in life. And some of them are our family members, some of them are your coworkers, some of them are your neighbors. Don't settle for the fake smile. Pray for them. Get involved in people's lives. Get involved, get involved. Get, there's nothing greater, there's no greater fulfillment than to know that you're part of a mandate that God ordained. Amen. That's why I am so excited and so blessed. And excited is not even the word because excitement is like, could be temporary. It's just excitement is always dependent on what the, the latest news is. But what I'm, what I'm so thankful is this. And, and listen, I'm not ancient. I'm not a young kid anymore, but I'm not ancient. But, to, but to, for, for me personally, for God to allow me at this season of life to have so much to look forward to in the future. I don't know if you can appreciate that, okay? To have something so much to look forward to, okay? God's allowed us to go beyond these four walls, to go beyond just this geographical location. And right now, there's hundreds of people being impacted just 20 minutes south of here. In a couple of months, that same thing, and we'll be able to look at the watch in a couple of months and, and go, there's hundreds of people now in Wall Township that are being impacted by this word of God because the word of God, if it only remains on a page, has no power. It's only powerful when it's spoken, when it's released, when somebody's preaching, when somebody's teaching, when somebody's walking it out. That's when it's powerful. So please, please. Don't settle for a Christianity that only meets your needs. Don't settle for a Christianity that only makes your life comfortable. I know some of you don't like to hear this because you've bombarded, been bombarded with this message, this self-centered message for so many years, you don't even know what it's like not to hear that anymore. Jesus came to establish his church and do way more than that. Can I, can I get a little bit more involved in this? And I'm, I promise you, I'll go back and I'll get safe and go back into my notes, Okay. 
this thing happens to me all the time. I don't, I don't know what it is. And I, I, I say to myself, if we don't start getting a sacrificial mindset that we may have to put some of our own comforts aside to make sure that other people not only just have their needs met, because what's good is meeting somebody's needs and they're going to go to hell, but, but reaching people. And even if, it's, even if, I, have to, if I have to suffer a little, and it's not even suffer because it's an honor. If I have to have some loss so that someone else has some gain, if we don't think that way, can I ask you this question? How are we going to stand in heaven next to somebody who saw their family get martyred in the Middle East? Because they would not denounce their faith in Jesus Christ. How are we going to stand there? How, I don't know about you, but I, I, would be, I would be like, okay, why don't you guys go first? Please, don't let your life get reduced to a meaningless dash on the gravestone. Live in such a way that people are actually going to miss you when you're gone. So, he always was. He always will be. We were not always. But we need to live our lives in such a way that we understand that every single person that's ever been conceived, whether that little spirit was aborted the next day or whether they've gone full term and lived to be 110 years old, Every single spirit lives forever. Amen. You're listening to me? Yes. Every single spirit. What do you mean by that, Pastor? You are not, look at the person next to you. you that's not who they are. That's just the thing that gets them around. Go ahead, look. It might be tough, but go ahead, look. <laughs> what you're seeing right now is just the physical thing that gets our spirit into this realm on the earth because your spirit has to have this container to carry us around. But the real person is not even your soul, it's not your physical body, it's your spirit. Amen. You understand that we are, we are spirit, we possess a... Soul. Come on, guys, did you forget all this? We are spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. When you got born again, what part of you got affected? Your spirit man. Your spirit came to life. That, that spirit man, you who you are, is going to live forever. That's not the choice. We don't cease to exist. Even the person that, that rejects Christ does not cease to exist. That's the most dangerous part of the human experience, the scariest part of the human experience. We're not annihilated. We don't disappear. We don't cease to exist. Once an individual is conceived, their spirit lives forever. It's called everlasting life. We think as Christians that everlasting life only pertains to life in heaven. No, everybody lives forever. The only choice that has to be made here in this earth is where are you going to spend forever? I had somebody here last night, and after service, a person came up to pray prayer of salvation. And on a side note said to me, Boy, you're a little hard on us tonight. And it kind of took me back. I didn't know what to say. And all I could say, and I went, yeah, it happens. <laughs> but as soon as I walked away, I, you know, then the person went with some of our prayer, prayer workers here. You know, we'd give them a Bible and the whole bit. And I almost wanted to turn around and said, honey, if you understood the severity 
and the seriousness and the soberness of this fact that this is a matter of life and death, I probably wasn't hard enough. You know, I got a text message at one o'clock this morning that one of my favorite aunts, one of my, one of my dad's sisters uh, went home to be with the Lord. And I don't say that the cliche-ish went home to be with the Lord. Uh, this one little Italian aunt that if she stood here probably would come up to about. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I mean, you got to realize I'm the tallest one in my family, so you can imagine. <laughs> Just imagine where everybody else is. You know, a whole, a whole species of Oompa Loompas came here <laughs> from Italy. And you know, you know, I was woken up, woken up with that text message and, and grief tried to come on me. And of course I'm going to miss her. And I thank God that my wife and I got a chance to see her just about a month or two ago. And, um, and then all of a sudden I went, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I know where she is. She was one of the first members of the family that when I got born again, when everybody else thought I was out of my mind crazy, she latched on to the message. And she'd come to church and she'd dance around sometimes and we played our music and stuff like that. But, but listen, we're going to miss her. But I know where she is. And the hardest thing is that one of our loved ones, when they take their last breath here, and, and we don't have enough evidence to know. And of course, we know that God is merciful and we know that up until the very last breath, the Lord's going to deal with a person. But, but don't you think it'd be best if we knew Amen. that all those around us, our family members, our extended family, our neighbors, that you understand this, this is getting to wrap up quickly here. Yes. We are living in the last of the last days. We don't know how much time is left here. And please don't fall into that trap that Peter talked about, the scoffers and the mockers, and where is his coming? Ever since the fathers died, we're still talking about this coming, and he hasn't come yet. He's coming. I wouldn't be surprised if they're saddling up the horses right now. He's coming. It's our responsibility to get this message out. Yeah, it's nice when the Lord provides for us. And man, I am way off my notes, and they must be going back there and they're going, like, is he ever going to get on his notes again? But you know what? I just feel like I need to share from my heart this morning. Please don't miss an opportunity to invest in somebody else's life. Please don't miss the opportunity to speak the truth into someone else's life. And, 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 and just pray. Pray. Because you really have no right to go talk to somebody unless you pray for them first. Because what you're going to give them is your flesh side, your carnal side, your opinions, your, all this other stuff. But when you pray ahead of time, God deposits something in your heart for that individual. Are you, are you listening? Pray and then Go. Go. Minister to people. Establish a relationship with people. And don't just go there and hit them with a sledgehammer. Establish a relationship first. I heard a famous preacher years ago say, you can't drive an 18-wheeler over a bamboo bridge. You have to build the structure in that relationship. Now, there's times when out of the blue, God's going to say, go talk to that person. But usually when that happens, it's been my experience, usually when it happens, you find out that you're like the 10th person in the row to come and speak to that person. So, how this got into a message on evangelism, I don't know. I just know that I feel like this is what the Holy Spirit wants us to talk about today. Thank God 
for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank God for the love of God. Thank God that he thought so much of us that he did send his only begotten son. And that is a message that we can never downplay. It's a message that uh, we can't turn this thing into just a social thing. We can't turn this into a cultural thing. This is always, somebody said to me yesterday when we were talking about something, said, you know, they really think about this Christianity is a pretty bloody religion. Yeah. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, we wouldn't have any relationship with the Father. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus. Do you remember, you know, I looked up this fact a little while ago on Wikipedia, okay? There's roughly 4,200 religions in the world. 4,200 systems of belief that are trying to get out of sin, 4,200 systems of belief that are trying to get to heaven or some form of what the people believe is another state of peace or whatever. But they all stem from one origination, and that's found in the book of Genesis. And when God confronted Adam and Eve, when they realized that they had sinned, what did they do? They didn't run to the Father. They ran to a fig tree and took fig leaves and sewed them together to try to cover their shame and to try to cover their sin. And mankind has been doing the same thing ever since. So I call it fig leafism. Okay? Watch this now. The first plant-based religion. And some of us got caught up in all that junk. You might have been raised in a religious tradition where the emphasis was more on works, more on rituals, more on outside. But God's always been, been, been really concerned and always deals with the inside. We needed, every one of us knew that we needed a sin, our sin to be taken care of, to be put away, to be cleansed, to be wiped away. But only Jesus can do that. Romans chapter three, and we're gonna wrap this up and we're gonna prepare ourselves to take communion together. Romans chapter three, verse 20, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way. Now God has shown us a way to be made right with him by keeping the requirements of the law. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. No matter who you are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. The very reason that God got off the throne in heaven and came in the form of man, born a baby on this very planet. Just think about it. The very planet he created so that he can come here and impact our lives and draw us back into a relationship with himself. Amen? Amen. 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 We're going to, uh, to worship, and then we're going to take communion together. 
Why don't we all stand? Hallelujah. Father, we bless you today, Lord God. Thank you, Father, that you were not just content to be a God who's far away, unknown. Father, you've done everything you could to draw us near, to bring us close to your heart. You sent your son to reveal you, Father, reveal yourself to us here on this earth. You preserved the word for us, Father, all these thousands of years that we would know who our God is, who our Father in heaven is. And Father, we're so grateful for that. Now, Lord, I pray, knowing your heart, Father, knowing that you desire that none should perish, but that everyone come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray if there's anyone here that has never declared their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you draw their hearts right now, Father. That you reveal Jesus to everyone, Lord, that, doesn't, that don't know him yet. That that revelation that will come from the Holy Spirit would make him known. The realization that we all need a Savior, Father. And I pray that the Holy Spirit does what only the Holy Spirit can do. And bring a person into that place of salvation. That faith that starts in the heart and is expressed with our speech. Thank you, Lord. Let's make this declaration of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for all. Once, let's just, all of us together. And those of you that have never prayed this little simple prayer to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to, to declare your faith in Jesus, please join us. Let's say this together. Father, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross. He took my place, paid for my sin, and you raised him from the dead so that I could have everlasting life. I believe Jesus is alive. And he hears my prayer right now. So I ask Jesus, commit to my life. Commit to my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for making me a child of God. Amen. Praise God. Now listen, those of you that said that for the first time, before we go any further, please, when we're dismissed in just a few minutes, please make your way up here. Let the people know that are up here in the front. I prayed that prayer today. Whether you prayed it for the first time or whether you prayed it as an act of rededication, and recommitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a Bible we want to put in your hands. We want to get to know. It's important for you to make that statement. I prayed that prayer. Amen? Please take hold of that communion packet that you have. Take that plastic film off the top, and let's take hold of that wafer. What we hold in our hand is representation of the body of Christ, the physical body of the Lord Jesus this symbol that we have. We're going to pray over it. We're going to bless it just like Jesus did. And then we're going to take it together as one church family. Father, we thank you for your blessing upon this bread, God. We thank you that it represents the Lamb of God who took away the sins of this world. We thank you, Father, that it has no yeast, no leaven in it, representing the spotless, sinless Jesus, our Lamb. 
We thank you for your blessing upon it, even as Jesus blessed the bread and gave it to his disciples. We thank you for your blessing upon it as we receive it with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Go right ahead, please. Please take the foil off the cup. I want you to understand, I try to repeat this every time we take communion together because it's that important. What you're holding in your hand is a little cup of juice, but what it represents, spiritually speaking, is the most powerful thing in the entire universe. The precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood that defeated Satan, the blood that purchased us out of slavery and into the kingdom of God, into the family of our Father in heaven. Father, we pray your blessing upon this cup, Lord. We recognize what it represents, Lord. And Father, we also recognize that in your word, you said that without the shedding of blood, there could be no remission of sin. And so we thank you, Father. Not only did you provide the body of your son, but you also provided the blood that he shed on this cross, on the cross on this earth. And Father, we thank you that the blood of Jesus speaks freedom to us. The blood of Jesus speaks reconciliation to us in the blood of Jesus, Father, that you accepted as payment for our sins. Father, means that we can stand before you, God, without any sense of guilt or condemnation because of the blood that was shed for us, Lord. And so we're forever grateful, Lord God, and we receive this cup with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, don't forget what we talked about today. Church, don't forget that there's people in your life right now. You may not know it, but they're crying out. They need relief. They need a new beginning in their life. They need to be born again. And you have the key. Don't forget that today. Amen. I pray God's blessing upon us all. I pray that the 49ers win tonight. <laughs> Not for me, but for, for two people that are very close to my life that are, that are praying right now that the 49ers win. So I put myself in agreement with them in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go enjoy the rest of the weekend. If you need prayer for anything, if you prayed that prayer, come on up front. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.